about the importance of the subject that we are talking about, that is the subject of holiness. It is something which is important. Speaking on September 28, 1945, Dr. Chapman addressing the convocation at the Nazarene Theological Seminary made a statement. Part of the address was this, and I quote, it said, far from being an isolated or detached thesis, the doctrine of Christian holiness is central to the commands, to the promises, to the prayers, exhortations, statements, and narratives of the Bible. That's an important statement to listen to, an important statement to digest, that the doctrine of holiness is central to the commands, promises, prayers, exhortations, statements, and narratives of the Bible. And it goes on to quote Bishop Foster, who, when he was ending his discussion of the holiness on the book of Hebrews, says, and I quote again, it breathes in prophecy, in the prophecy, it thunders in the law, it murmurs in the narrative, it whispers in the promises, it supplicates in the prayers, resounds in the songs, sparkles in the poetry, shines in the types, glows in the imagery, and burns in the spirit of the whole scheme from its alpha to its omega, its beginning to its end, end of quote. And then Bishop Chapman, Dr. Chapman continued. He said, holiness, holiness needed, holiness required, holiness offered, holiness attainable, holiness a present duty, a present privilege, a present enjoyment is the progress and completeness of its wondrous theme. It is the truth glowing all over and voicing all through revelation, singing and shouting in all its history and biography and poetry and prophecy and precept and promise and prayer, the great central truth of the system, the truth to elucidate which the system exists. If God has spoken at all, it is to aid men to be holy. Let me read the last statement. If God has spoken at all, it is to aid men, of course, men and women, to be holy. So holiness is something significant and important. Holiness is not an addendum in terms of Christian doctrines. It is very central. And we've looked at holiness as the central idea of Christianity in one of the previous episodes. But in the last episode, we looked at Hebrews and we know that there's quite a lot to look at when one is trying to look at holiness in the book of Hebrews. I mean, when you look at a book in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, when a New Testament book describes the people to whom it addresses, it is always reasonable for us to assume that those descriptions are a correct evaluation of their spiritual condition. So you see a letter in the New Testament written to some people and they are described in certain ways. Those descriptions we should know, or at least we should grant, are the accurate reflection of the lives of the people. The epistle to the Hebrews is not an, ex an exception. It was addressed to Christians and it was addressing Christians to go on, to go on to holiness, onto perfection. 
Now, let's say this very clearly right from the onset. The statement I've just made now makes you to know that when you get saved, when one gets saved, you don't get it all in a package. Yes, we can talk about initial holiness, initial sanctification, but then there's a necessity to go on. I mean, usually people quibble or quarrel or argue about the secondness of sanctification or experience, but the scriptures has a lot to say. Now look at the Hebrews, the Hebrew Christians, what were they called? They were called holy brethren. I mean, it, it uses the Greek word hagioi, even though that word occurs only just in three times in the epistle, yet it describes them, but it betrays certain familiarity with the expression and is synonymous to use the holy ones, is synonymous to use brethren or Christians. So when he wrote to the holy ones, look at Hebrews chapter three, verse one. In Hebrews chapter three, verse one, there we see what the writer of Hebrew calls them, therefore, holy brethren, holy brothers and sisters, partakers of a heavenly calling. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. So right there, we see that the recipients of the letter, the audience to which the epistle was addressed were called holy people, holy brethren. And not only that, in chapter three, verse 11, they're called the partakers of the heavenly blessing, heavenly calling. In chapter three, verse 11, partakers of the heavenly calling. Hebrews three, verse 11. In Hebrews chapter three, verse 11, they are called partakers of heavenly calling. That is who they are. So you see these people to whom the letter was written and were told they have an high priest. In Hebrews chapter three, please look at it. And you look at it, verse one, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. That's in 3.1 and not 3.11. In 3.1, partakers of a heavenly calling. That's who they are. And these are people who are the high priest. We're told we have an high priest in chapter four, verse 15. So these people are believers. The exhortation to holiness are to people, the exhortations to holiness are to people who have already experienced the Lord. I mean, you can call that experience regeneration or you could call it uh, being born again. Uh, you can use different nomenclatures. I mean, you are just describing the same thing. Uh, people who have been justified, people who have been redeemed, people who have been converted, people who are born again. We're talking about, we're using different languages to describe the same experiential reality. Experiential reality. What happens when God, when one gets converted? Well, regeneration takes place. There's a new life. And of course, one gets justified. One gets forgiven by God. And you use different words, but we're describing the same experiential reality. And these are the people who are to have the boldness to enter the holiest. They're encouraged to draw near with a full heart in assurance of faith. It's very, very important. I mean, we said it in the last episode, there are different words that are used for holiness in the book of Hebrews. Of course, agiazo, which is 
a, a verb, hagiazo, which means to make holy, hagiasmos, that talk about sanctification, they're different words. It talks about hagiotes or catharizo, to cleanse, catharos, pure, teleios, which means to be perfect, teleiotes, teleio, all these words, all these Greek words are telling us about the same thing. Now, agiazo, which means to make holy, yes, it means to hallow, to separate, to make holy, and it's used of both persons and things. Of course, in chapter 9, verse 13, it means ceremonial cleansing. The blood of bulls of goats sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. In all other places in Hebrews, it means to make holy. It refers to the sanctifying work of Christ and to those whom he sanctifies. We see that in chapter 2, verse 11. It is used to speak of that sanctifying work, which is wrought by the will of God, which we find in chapter 10, verse 10 and verse 14. And of course, he said, we have been perfected forever. You see 10, 14 as well. Sanctification, holiness, is wrought by the blood of Christ. We see that in 1029. But in our episode today, we want to focus at least on one verse in Hebrews, which is very, very important. And that is Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 14. We'll spend a few moments together in Hebrews chapter 12, right in verse 14. Here it says, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification or and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace, pursue. The King James says, follow peace. But this translation, NASB says, pursue, is from the Greek word dioko, which is used to persecute and is also used to pursue. Something you pursue, it doesn't just fall on your lap. It's something you pursue. It's something you hunger after. It's something we desire. You long after it. I mean, this passage is very important. I remember sometime in early 1662, reading of a Puritan pastor who was named Thomas Brooks. He began a sermon series, a new series with these words, which I said, listen to what Thomas Brooks has to say. If I were the fittest man in the world to preach a sermon to the whole world, gathered together in one congregation, and if I had some high mountain, for my pupit, from where I might have a prospect of all the world in my view. And if I were furnished with a voice of brass, a voice as loud as the trumpet of the archangel, that all the world might hear me, I would choose to preach on no other text than Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. I mean, that's how important Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 was important to him. And it needs to be important to us as well. Pursue peace with all men. Think about it. One text. He said he was going to preach that one text to all the congregation. I mean, I tell you this. Amazing statement it is indeed. But what did he do? He preached and preached about it. We're told that Thomas Brooks preached 58 sermons on Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. 58 sermons. I mean, you can get that in the collection of his preachings. I mean, 58 sermons, that's over 30, 13 months of preaching on one verse. 
So how could one do that? 13 months, one verse. But that's how important it is to him. And I think it needs to be important to us as well. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with all men, that is everyone. And the sanctification. Now, notice it, that it says the sanctification. It has a definite article. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Now, we see that, that that is a requirement. Now, it says pursue it. We've got a role to play. We've got a part to play. Holiness doesn't just fall upon us. It just doesn't come upon us. No, not at all. We have to pursue it. It's something that we see. It's something that we say, God, I need this one. I want you to purify me. I want you to cleanse my heart. Pursue it. And the holiness. And then he shows us the absolute necessity. He said, and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord without which no one will see the Lord. That's important to bear in mind. To see the Lord should be the longing of each and every believer. To see the Lord, not just in the sweet by and by, but even now, in our lives, somebody put it this way, the visions of God are only seen through the lenses of a pure heart. The visions of God, the visions of God are only seen through the lenses of a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's what Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I understand there's the idea. I mean, we know that we're waiting, we're waiting for the parousia. We'll see the Lord. And like Isaiah, he says, my eyes shall behold the king in his beauty. I know you and I are longing for that. I hope you are longing for that day when you will see the living God, when you and I will see the living God sitting majestically on his throne, when you and I will be with him, ever to be with him, ever to live with him. But even then, now as we wait for him, as we wait the appearance of our great God, I mean, you see that in Titus when he says, for the grace of God that brings salvation to all men, as appeared to all men, teaching us that denying all ungodliness and worldly desires, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And then he goes on to say, we, are, we begin to look for the appearance of our great God. The appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 from verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, live sensibly, live righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, I'm sure that is contrary to what we see. That's contrary to what we hear. Because what we hear is that, well, we can live righteously. When we're told that we can't be godly, what else does godliness mean if not holiness? And here it says, denying ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly 
in the present age. And you know the present age is an immoral age. The present age is an evil age. The present age is a sinful age. And yet we are told, we are encouraged that we are encouraged to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And not just folding our hands. It goes on in verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous of good deeds. So you see Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, where it says, pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So number one, human responsibility. Human responsibility. Your responsibility, my responsibility is to pursue. Remember, one of the Beatitudes also says, blessed are those who thirst and hunger after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who thirst and hunger after righteousness. There must be a desire inside our hearts. There must be a longing. There must be a yearning in our hearts. We must be steadfast. We must make up our minds. Very, very important for you and for me to have a determined steadfastness. I mean, to be steadfast to say, look, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you. And that's why we exhort one another to spiritual progress. That's why we're told in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, to exhort one another daily. That is, to exhort one another to press on into that rest. Because we're told in Hebrews chapter 4 that there yet remains a rest unto the people of God. There remains a rest. Then he said, if Joshua had given them rest, then we would not have said there is another rest. Holiness is that rest. Where we rest in God. Where we rest in God. Where we trust in God. Where we lean upon him. That we say, God, we want to be like you. Follow peace. Follow peace. Pursue peace with everyone. Now, with everyone means with everyone. With everyone means with those who hate us. With everyone means with those who are persecuting us. Follow peace with all men and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And as I said a few moments ago, I am sure your desire, your longing, my desire, my longing is to see the Lord in the end. And if you and I want to see the Lord, we'd better be holy. Here is the beauty. That God is not telling us to be what we cannot be. Not at all. He's not telling us to do what we cannot do. Not at all. God has made provision for us. The writer of Hebrews makes it very clear that God has made provision for us to be holy, to be pure. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, 
I read from verse 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when it comes into the world, he says, sacrifice and offerings you have not desired, but a body you are prepared for me. In the whole, in whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I've come in the scroll of your book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. After saying above sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them. Now look at verse nine, then he said, behold, I've come to do your will. It takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ Jesus once for all. We've been sanctified. Now remember that word sanctification. That word agiazo could mean separated. And yet it has ethical implications. So it's not just separation. These people in Hebrews are already separated. The people who have been called unto holiness are already separated. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Remember what I've just said a few moments ago. God does not tell us to do what he knows we cannot do. I'm sure you agree with me that God is not like Pharaoh. Who will tell the children of Israel to go and mow the bricks without giving them the straw? No, God is too loving. He's a holy God. He's a just God. He's a righteous God. He's not going to tell you to do what he knows you can't do. Holiness is essential. Holiness is required. Holiness is possible. Holiness, holiness needed. More than ever before, the church today needs to go back and recapture the doctrine of holiness. And not just recapturing the doctrine by the grace of God to live lives that in accordance with the will of God, with the word of God, to live holy lives. Holiness, holiness needed, holiness required by God, holiness offered by God, holiness attainable. And if I may add this, holiness obtainable. It's not holiness by struggling. It is holiness by trusting. There's quite a lot about holiness in the book of Hebrews. We barely scratch the surface. But I hope that what we've said so far raises questions in your minds, but more than raising questions, has stirred you for you to seek holiness because it says, pursue something you pursue. You need determination. You need focus. We need concentration. An insatiable desire, something we long for. As that chorus says, holiness, holiness is what I long for. 
Are you longing for holiness? That is essential. That is important. And don't forget, the spirit of God is the spirit of holiness. Sanctification is made possible because of the blood and because of the spirit of holiness that works in us. And because of the word, all we need have been provided by God. He's given us the word, given us his son who shed his blood and poured out his Holy Spirit to enable us to live lives that are in conformity with his will. How I pray sincerely that you and I will rise up and long again and say, God, I want to be holy. Yes, others around me may say it's not possible. Others may say, well, I, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. No, that's not what we read to you. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification, the holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. You know, it's wrong to think that we'll be sanctified at death, as if death will be the sanctifier. No, Jesus is the sanctifier. He makes us ready. He prepares us. And he's preparing the people for himself. And I'm sure you are one of those people. Pursue holiness. And it is possible. Father, we do thank you because we know that holiness is possible. Help us, Lord, to seek your face. Create inside our hearts a desire to be like you, to love you with all our heart, all our strength, and all our mind. In Jesus' name. Thank you very much for listening. We trust that you've been blessed. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. God bless.